within hours of posting my last episode, which is on the first days of school from both a parent and teacher's perspective. And I was sharing that teachers really need to take the adage, you only have one chance to make a first impression. And I asked, is your first day lesson a more like a party or a wake? A buddy of mine listened to it, reached out to me and said, well, how do we know if what you do is more like a party or a week. I mean, you never shared what you do on the first day of school. So on this episode, the special episode of your parent-teacher conference, I will be sharing what I will be doing the first day of school when I have students. And hopefully, it may spark some ideas in you. Or maybe you contact me and say, actually, that's more like a week. Teachers, are your digital assignments getting lost in the black hole of a digital folder? Can I suggest a solution? FanSchool. FanSchool is a safe and social learning network where students own and share their learning. Think of FanSchool as a digital bulletin board for your students' work. Take a look. Go to fan.school today. That is fan.school and imagine what your classroom space will look like on FanSchool. Welcome to your parent-teacher conference, where a 24-7 parent and full-time teacher discusses issues and concerns from both points of view in an attempt to bridge the gap for the sake of kids. So relax, Grab a coffee or other comfort drink, and let's talk about it. Hello, and welcome to your parent-teacher conference. This is Coach Cullen, your host. And yes, this is going to be more directed at teachers today, but I hope if you're a parent, you continue to listen. And maybe you'd say to yourself, oh, I wish my kid's teacher did that. Or maybe you're going to say to yourself, no, that actually is more like awake, very solemn. I hope not. I mean, that's not the intention I have. That's not the motivation. Uh, what I do on my first day of school with my students, if you want to talk about it, if you have any questions on what I'm presenting here and my ideas, if you want to brainstorm your own first day of school lesson for your students that kind of is more like a party, or if you want to argue with me and say that's a horrible way to approach the first day of school, Feel free to email me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. P is in parent, T is in teacher, C is in conference, podcast411, all one word, at gmail.com. Also, please share this link out with a friend, especially friends who are teachers. You might think may get some ideas for their classroom with this episode. Or in general, if you've been appreciating what you're hearing, tell your friends. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. A Spotify, Amazon Music, Anchor.fm. Just go to the Parent Teacher Conference podcast. I, there is another one out there. It just started in August of 2023. I am the episode. You see a guy with a baseball hat, with a coffee mug, covering his mug. That's me. That's the one you tell him to listen to if you think it will be helpful. And that's what it's all about. Of course, like I've always said, part of the reason I do these podcast is just get my, get a, have a release for all the 
ideas and thoughts I have about education and what I do as a teacher and how it affects me as a parent. And also to save my marriage so my wife doesn't have to be the one listening to me. Thank you for listening to me. I appreciate it. So what do I do on the first day of school? Here is my lesson plan for the last couple of years. And in fact, at the end of the year, I always ask my students a little survey about the school year. And I say, what was your favorite game or activity that we played in class? And we play a bunch of them. And it's surprising how many students will say, when we played home run derby or when we played baseball in class. That's what I do the first day. I'll explain it a little bit and we never do it again. I do it that first day and we never do it again. And there's a reason for that and I'll share that as well. So here is what I do. I quickly introduce myself. I don't get bogged down on who I am, my family, my educational back, I don't. I just say, I'm Mr. Cullen. I'm teaching you seventh grade history this year. I'd like you to fill out an index card for me. And all I want on the index card is your name and tell me how I can best teach you or how teachers best teach you and you receive information and learn. That's it. So they, they write their name, a sentence or two, hand it in. Then I shuffle the cards and I explain, okay, now we are going to play home run derby. Just so you know, I should have shared this with you. When they walk into the class, the class is set up to look like a baseball field. And I put tables and I have these rolling wardrobes that I put up so it looks like a fence out behind them. There's a batting tee up front. We use a Nerf ball and a Nerf bat or Nerf-like ball and Nerf-like bat. They're not really Nerf, but you know what I'm saying. They're spongy type batting balls. So I have all the index cards now. I explain, you are gonna play home run derby. You are playing against every other class I teach. The team, the class or team that has the highest average point total per student wins. So that way it's fair. It doesn't matter if you have 30 kids in a class or 10. We divide through by how many students are, have played with your point total and that determines who has the high score. And I throw a bone out. I say, I'll give you one point extra credit. One point extra credit is like next to nothing in my class. Typically, a, a marking period is 500 points. But it's a nice little bone to throw at them to give it a, a sense of competition and competitiveness, right? So I then go over with them the areas. You know, if the ball hits on the ground, it's one point. Everybody gets at least a point. I, don't, I, I would not give any kid zero points. So even if you hit the ball on the ground, it's one point. If you go past certain tables, it's two. If you clear the fence, it's like five points. If you clear the fence and it hits up against, like above the smart board, maybe it's worth 10 points. So you kind of go around the room saying, okay, if the ball lands here, here's how many points you get. Now, the other twist I put into this is if you hit a ball in the air and one of your classmates catches it without it landing on the table or the floor and they can't get up out of their chairs. I don't want kids running around the room trying to catch a ball. You have to stay seated in your chair. You can't like put your feet on top of the chair, kneel on the chair. You have to be seated on your chair like normal. The ball's in the air. You reach up and you grab it. I give like three bonus points or four bonus points for that. So that way, even the kids who are sitting are participating even though they're not batting at the time. And then I'll say, if you trap it on your desk, it's worth two points. So again, 
trying to keep involvement up in my students. So how I determine who goes first, who goes last, I use the index cards. I shuffle them up and ask a student to go to the batter's box and the batting tee. Now, each student has to answer a question. But the, again, these questions are not, they're, they're meant to be answered. So what I do is you get one point for answering the question. So I could ask a question like, in your opinion, what is the worst tasting ice cream? So of course, since it's their opinion, all the questions are opinions or I ask, would you rather questions, but not the gross ones, things like, would you rather spend the day at the beach or at an amusement park? Questions like that, where you can't get it wrong, it's your opinion. So everybody gets a point there. But what I'll do is this, to make it more interesting and get to know them a little better, I will say, I will give you two bonus points if you answer why. So to the ice cream question, you could say pistachio, because one time I thought it was mint ice cream I was eating, and it wasn't, it was pistachio, it was the nastiest tasting ice cream I ever had. So now to get three points for answering the question, one for answering the question, two for explaining why. That way you get to know the students a little better in a fun, relaxed atmosphere. And of course, some of the kids will really ham up the answers of the why, and you'll have a good laugh. But it also allows those kids who are quiet not to have to answer. Yeah, they lose out on the two points. Okay. I mean, that's just to encourage them to do it. I mean, maybe some kids who are a little shy, those two bonus points are a little competitive too. Those two bonus points may push them over the top to answer why. But if a kid's really shy and doesn't want to do it, you just move on. Don't make a big deal. I would even say to the class, you don't badger anybody. Don't make fun of them. You don't peer pressure them. They don't want to answer why. They just don't want to answer why. You know, be supportive of them as they now go up to bat. You want them to be in the best possible position to get some points for your team. You don't want them having to worry about you anger with them because you lost two points. It's not a big deal. You, you kind of downplay it a little bit, but you want that shy kid also to feel comfortable, but you also want them to at least answer a very simple question. And the purpose for this is they and the other students are watching. You know, shy kids tend to be known by their classmates. And so even if the kid isn't shy, they want to see how the teacher reacts. The teacher's saying, I'm not going to force anybody to answer why, but I would like you to share an answer, a very simple, you know, again, beach or amusement park. Every kid in that class on day one are asking themselves two questions. One, do I like the teacher? And two, is this place going to be safe? Am I going to be comfortable? If I were to make a mistake, if I, I give a wrong answer, are my classmates going to make fun of me? How is this teacher going to respond? Both to the wrong answer and to my classmates who may be making fun of me. Do I feel safe and comfortable answering questions? And you're also encouraging that more shy student, it's okay. We're here with you. We're supporting you. That's what we want to, we do want to hear your voice. Your voice is valuable. 
that's just my opinion about how I go about the first day. It's something different. You know, kids are going to go home that day saying, so what you do in class? Well, in this class, we went over the classroom rules. In that, this class, we got our textbooks. And in Mr. Cullen's class, we played baseball. What do you mean you played baseball? Let me tell you. And all of a sudden now, you have some students going home interacting with their parents of what they did in class. It had nothing to do with history. I'm a history teacher. It has nothing to do with history. But I want them to start talking with their parents of what's going on in my class. Because pretty soon it will be history or it will be current events. There will be a great discussion or something that they read that they're really engaged with. And I want them to share that with their parents and I want their parents to interact with them. That's one reason every week I send out a short video saying, here is the here are the topics we will be talking about this week in class. I would love for you to start a dialogue with your kids about it. One, it helps reinforce what we're learning in the classroom. Two, and this is more important, it makes a connection between the student and the parent and the school and what I'm doing in the classroom. Again, we're all in this together and I really believe that. Uh, one of the reasons that I do something like play home run derby the first day is I want early on to establish that, yes, go home, tell your parents of what we did in the classroom. I want them to know. I want them to be engaged because more importantly, what I want deep down more than you excelling in history class, what I want deep down is for you to have a great relationship with your parents because that will extend far beyond classroom. the classroom. That will extend far beyond the time you spend at our middle school or our high school or elementary school. The relationship you have with your parents, and especially in the teen years where there starts to be that natural pulling away of child and parent, where child the child is starting to want that independence they're starting to feel, right? Because one day they are going to walk out of the house. They're going to be on their own. And as a parent, you want to make sure you prepare them well. So there's, a, But at the same time, during the teenage years, there's that nat natural pull away, but sometimes some of the pulling is in the wrong direction for the child, and the parents have to step in and say, no, that's not good. And I think at times we see it as, we, you got to let kids try and fail. Not if it's going to harm them. So, how does X connect back to the home run derby? Parents talking to their kids is always a positive. That is a good thing. And that should be encouraged. And that's what I hope to encourage from day one. Just for the, on the sheer fact they go home and say, we played home run derby in this class. And the parents are like, wow, tell me more. And that starts a dialogue that hopes, hopefully continues throughout the year. Now, you may be saying to yourself, that doesn't sound like a party. You don't have, like, food and festive atmosphere. Well, we, we do have different lights. I have colored lights around the room. I'll have soft music playing, probably more of, like, a, not, well, it's going to be played softly, but probably very, like, engaging, like, Eye of the Tiger type songs to really pull kids in. It's still a classroom. So when I say party, I, I don't mean off the walls, kids are going to be bouncing off the walls. But you have to admit, a home run derby is a lot less like a wake than if I were just to go over to classroom rules. 
Now, what can you do? Can you do a home? You can do a home run derby in class. Now, I was the baseball coach, so I had access to the batting tee. That's always helps always helps me out. How about doing trash ball? Or, you know, I have in my classroom as well a kitty basketball hoop, and you do the same game where you lay down instead of a home run derby, you lay down point values of how far the shot is. So, a close up shot is worth two. You go back two more steps, that's a three-point shot. You go back farther, it's a five-point shot. Make some wacky shot, like a ten-point shot. So you're doing the same thing with basketball. But my challenge to you, if you're a teacher today, is what can you do that first day of school is going to grab your students? That they're going to want to come in day two and say, what are we doing today? Because that's what it's about. You, you, know, you always talk an anticipatory set, right? No, the anticipatory set should be every day. You shouldn't have to have something in the classrooms. I know, I, I'm going against like educational gurus and the ed research. I was talking to my niece the other day and she has an educational doctorate. And we were talking about that the research is out there to justify whatever you want to do in education, you will find research supporting you. So, you know, so that's one, I'll tell you what, if you're a parent listening, that's one thing. If somebody ever says, well, the research says, don't just buy it. It's almost like gaslighting you. Don't, if you feel there's a problem, say, I would need to look into that. And find somebody who can help you find educational research because you, you definitely, and I've done this, you can find contrary research to their research. It's all out there. So back to what I'm saying. It may be against educational research to say what I'm about to say, but if you are planning lessons from time to time that truly catch your students' imaginations, their sense of play, their sense of fun, you don't need an anticipatory set, even if you're all you're doing is reading a primary source and discussing it, because every day they are going to wonder, what are we doing today in his class? You are building the thoughts of what is happening in your classroom long before they step into it that day. That's what you want as a teacher. Because trust me, in over 30 years of doing this, having your students want to be in your classroom, not have to be, having your students want to be in your classroom is half the battle. Having your students want to be in your classroom is half the battle. So tell me what you think about first day home run derby or anything I've talked about here about engaging your students, engaging your students and their parents. I would love to hear from you. And remember, you just email me, continue the conversation at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. P is a parent, T is in teacher, C is in conference, podcast 411, all one word, ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. So I hope this episode in a small way captured what I do and what my intentions and motivations are on that first lesson of the school year. Thank you for joining me on the Parent Teacher Conference podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share this podcast with friends. They can be teachers, they can be parents, they can be someone who's just interested in education and parenting. If you have a comment, a question, or an idea for a future topic, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. Remember, a good teacher cares deeply for their students, but good parents love those students 
their children 